Well, it sounds like Rick doesn't have the song this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he doesn't have the song. I think he doesn't want a song. That means he leaves it up to me and my discretion. <laughs> that's, that's totally true. It falls onto you. So man. I'll keep it short and sweet. But since we're talking about plumbing, singing in the rain, <laughs> we're singing in the rain. That works what for a us. glorious feeling. I'm happy again. <laughs> All right, Carlito, we've got another podcast here. I'm so excited. We've got Rick. We got Rick Clark from Rick's Mechanical. Rick is a self-employed master plumber and also an authorized service rep for Kohler Products. He's an ACR. So, Rick, tell us a little bit about being an ACR and tell us a lot about plumbing. Yes, authorized service representative. So you know a lot about plumbing and Kohler, a lot. About I, plumbing and Kohler. I've been doing it since I got out of high school. So <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so you a are a few I, years older than us. I would think. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Rick Clark, as you mentioned, and uh, I started in the plumbing trade right out of high school. As soon as I got my ticket, I, got, I started my own company and went on to get my gas license and refrigeration license and so I could compete with the locals. I got injured on a job and ended up uh, having some operations on my shoulders and uh, moved to Toronto. Didn't think I was going to be working again after that. Got too tired of sitting around and doing nothing. You got started right out of a high school? Yeah, that's correct. Teenager, 18? 18 years old, yes, that's and right. Got, and so right now, how old are you now? Uh, 63. So you've got a few years of experience here. Yeah. <laughs> you've got like four decades of experience <laughs> plus, right? It seems like it. Yeah, no, so we've got a lot of questions to ask about plumbing. So you got the gas ticket. I know that you mentioned the other day that you have a lot of certifications. Well, backflow prevention is one of the ones that falls under the plumbing and then ODP certification under the refrigeration license. Those things that you have to have to compete. I always thought that was HVAC, but that's also plumbing. The thing about it is that whether a plumber likes it or not, he's going to get involved with natural gas at some point in his life as soon as he touches a water heater, wall-hung boiler for domestic hot water. What is generally the rule here? I mean, do, do HVAC guys cross the line with plumbing guys and vice versa, or do they work together? Generally work together, and, and you, most uh, HVAC companies will have a plumber, or most plumbing companies have an HVAC tech. You need it, or you, or you rule yourself out of doing some work. Let's get a little brief history about Kohler, because I know Kohler's been around for a while. 145 years. Wow. Wow. Still privately held. That's Still impressive. Held. Yeah. I mean, it is Wisconsin, so there is a lot of cheese. I had my fair share of cheese while I was down there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I was impressed with uh, the accommodations, the golf course. It's just like a little two, mini. Two PGA golf courses. Two PGA golf. Yeah, one, one on the <laughs> lake and one inland. Yeah, it is quite the facility to, to tour and check out. And then we got to see the toilets being made. We got to see briefly the cast iron stuff, a lot of the shower stuff. So it was it was very impressive. They were involved in farm implements as well, making castings. So I, I want to go back 40 plus years. How has plumbing changed from then to now? A lot of improvements in backflow. There's been a lot of improvements in lead levels in the brass. It's big today. Some of the other things that we could all remember are maybe toilets that would take four gallons or three oh, gallons. Oh, I remember to flush. those. And now we're talking a, a fraction of a gallon. What's the standard now? The standard is one point. Well, there's 1.28 and 1.6. 1.6 is the standard now. But then we're also getting as low as one. Liters, yes. Yeah, Liters yeah, yeah. per flush. So I take it Kohler was an American company? Yes. Is. Yes. Is. Is. Yes. Yeah. Wisconsin yeah. Kohler, right? So Col is it, it Kohler, Wisconsin. Kohler, Wisconsin. The town of Kohler. Yeah. City wow. of Kohler. They hired everyone, so they just renamed the town, I guess. Interesting. Do they do that in Croatia? Um, 
They do probably. <laughs> Carlitos creation. So, uh, so occasionally we'll throw in a creation or Portuguese joke. Um, but okay, so it, it, plumbing's changed dramatically in 40 years. See a lot of kids that did get into the trades in the 70s and the 80s. And then I guess they started to fall off the trades in the 90s and 2000s. It's sad to see young people today don't value or see the value in getting a trade. Believe me, if you're not going to be amazing at trading stocks and bonds, you should get into the trades. Pays well. You've got a job for life. If you don't like where you're working, you can always start your own company. You right. have to work for someone else, always. Rethink your strategy if you're not thinking trades, honestly. I know that a lot of the uh, new arrivals to Canada from other countries are big on the trades. Unfortunately, I feel like the kids that are here today are going to miss out. They don't really want it. I have noticed that same thing as well, where I've seen a lot of Irish guys come over, uh, English guys come over, Australians come over, and they're getting right into the, the trades and they're doing, and they're actually good. They're really, really good. They're hungry for the knowledge. They're hungry to build a business, to build a partnership, work with other hungry guys as well. Yeah, I don't know what it is that's turned the kids off against That's trades. a whole other talk, I yeah, guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's hard work out there. I think you need a video game that is actually you putting plumbing together and maybe the kids will learn that's it. brilliant it's a good idea it <laughs> is a go. good idea I, I think the kids Cut just need <laughs> I, I think the kids just need to see how satisfying it is to actually build something for a day a week a month a year and and build a business and build a home or build a renovator bathroom or, or whatever i think they need to see that satisfaction and the pride the, yeah the pride huge amount you know, and it's important to be proud of what you do in canada speaking Lots of the trade schools have kind of disappeared. We don't have that many left that are actually formally training everybody. Unless you're in the union. The union has their own trade training situation for uh, high-rise. High-rise is totally different than domestic plumbing. Just a whole new game. And you got to know what you're doing. And if you don't, then you'll end up with situations with pressure imbalance and then valves like this that won't work right because they're pressure balanced valves. That's the biggest drawback, or I shouldn't say drawback, but the, one of the things you have to keep track of in a high-rise building is maintaining water pressures that are balanced. How do they do that? How is it? Because I, I don't know that much on the commercial side, and how do they mechanically set up things for those units? In most cases, the water will come in uh, the basement of the high-rise, then there's be a booster pump that'll pump it up so many floors, and then on that floor that's determined, which is 18 or 20 floors up, there'll be another booster pump, and that can take it up to 60, 70 floors up. But every so many floors, you have a pressure zone. You have to work within that pressure zone. Otherwise, things get drastically out of whack, and pipes will burst. I believe it's every seven floors, right? That's what I've always yeah. seen. Like Now, when you get into eight floors, it's a little trickier because the top floor's got low water pressure or the bottom floor's got excessive water pressure. Excessive water pressure leads to waste of water. If you run a tap at 80 PSI and 40 PSI, you'd think that half the amount of water would come out at 40. If you're leaking water at 80, you're leaking a lot more water. And those are things that need to be maintained. It's one of those things that needs to probably be rebuilt every three to four years, the booster pump uh, pressure-reducing zone valves. And that's something probably people don't even pay attention to because maintenance covers that. And You need to pay attention to it because when it fails, if you're at 300 pounds on your low side or on your high side and 50 on the low side, that diaphragm fails, the valve fails, you're instantly popping toilets and water lines and anything that's iffy. So mm -hmm. much pressure, right? Yeah. What, what is the ideal pressure that we're looking at when it comes to those condo units, commercial versus when it comes to 
residential? Anywhere from 50 to 70 is good. That's what you're looking for? Those are good pressures. Do you want to stay away from being higher? Like I said before, if, if your water pressure is too high, you have potential to leak a lot more water and do more damage and things like that. There's one building in town that I've been involved with that's had many leaks since it was built. And some of it was pressure imbalance, bad solder joints. And, and then on the residential side, if we start getting into there, I mean, I know that the older homes, I guess all the way up until the 80s, would have all been copper by that time. And then PEC started making the transition. We uh, sometimes see PECs where people renovated their house. The plumber came in, removed all the copper, replaced it all with PECs. Then they go in the shower and they go, wow, this is like a fraction of the water pressure volume that we would have got from the old shower valve. The old shower valve was hooked up to copper. Let's face it, if you have a, a clear half inch inside diameter, all of your copper fittings go on the outside of the pipe. With PEX, everything goes on the inside. And if you have five of those fittings in a row, you have five restrictions in a row before you get to your faucet. So that won't build up any pressure being smaller diameter? It'll build up a, a pressure. The pressure drops off severely when you open the faucet and the volume drops. So that's the reason why, because I've never been a fan of the PEX and the interior fittings versus the exterior fittings of copper, where you do restrict. There is a restriction there when it comes to it. At, at every fitting. It's not a valve issue. It's not a shower head fixture. It's not that issue. It's the no. actual supply. And it's hard to get the customer to understand that. Most of them don't want to hear it. That's because the plumber that did the job told them that's not the way it is. And I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that be upfront. That's all. Just let your customer know that you could have reduced flow. Do you get a little nervous when you start trying to explain this to a lot of customers and, and all of a sudden it's kind of a deer in the headlight and it just glazes over? It's like, this is too much technical. They don't want to hear it. I just thought you were just a plumber. Uh, you know what I mean? But they don't really want to hear it. That's the issue. They eh? don't want to hear that there's a problem that, that you can't fix. A lot of our shower heads have a two gallon a minute limit. The old shower heads didn't. And you used to be able to go in and pull restrictors out. You're not supposed to do that today oh. for backflow. <laughs> I've seen but a lot of people do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you could, but, I mean, now you're into a backflow prevention situation. Say if your bathtub was plugged, the drain was plugged, and your uh, hand shower doesn't shut off, so you just leave it hanging down, and it gets immersed in the water. The building needs to be drained, or a fire truck comes along and starts sucking water out of the main, and it'll draw that shower water up through that hose and into the drinking water really now you've got a cross connection and that's why we're not allowed to take those check wait valves a, out wait a second that I did are you not saying know. cross contamination then is mm -hmm. that that's what that right. is that's correct by removing those restrictors if you remove the check valve the check valve is the main restriction inside of that's very interesting that so i didn't know you, 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 and then you get into a whole new ball game where i've had customers ask me to do it and i can't do it that puts me on the on the line for it and i'm not going to do that and you don't want to have to hyperchlorinate an apartment building you don't want to do that oh my <laughs> god we're, we're talking about a complete <laughs> shutdown and clean yeah i've never ever actually heard that that's amazing yeah that can happen and it happens a lot and that's what you find when you take the backflow prevention course they'll fill you in on all the scenarios and this course, it could be taken how often, or is it done through the you union? Have to, you have to redo it every five years. Every five years, get an update. And, and your equipment needs to be recertified every year. Kohler, I don't know if you know it or not, but they're famous worldwide for their generators. They have generators that can do small jobs. 
and whole high-rise buildings and hospitals and whatnot. That I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know that either. And so their work with blocks and engine blocks and whatnot would have taken them there. And then they also used to build small engine blocks for lawnmowers. They had their own coal oh, yeah. lawnmowers. I've, I've seen, seen, I've I've seen, seen that. that. Yes. Yeah. I've and seen them on lawn boys, I, I think. Well, I have a lawn boy and it's on there. Even, I believe it. They had a lawnmower that was called Kohler. They have it hanging up in their museum. So this is a pretty diverse company. Yes. I thought we were going to get more into toilets and bathtubs and drain pans. They do it all. They do everything. Yeah. From what I've noticed anyways. So they originally started with generators? Is that how this business started? I can't say it was generators because I'm thinking it was far before generators and, and farm equipment. Uh, it was farm of, equipment, yeah. Some of the hay rakes that you see that would have been horse-drawn were cast by them. Wow. Some great history. I think I remember when I was a kid that they had cast-iron toilet tanks that hang, hung on the wall. Oh, wow. And then there was a two-inch pipe that would come down the wall, <laughs> turn, and twirl. I, I and remember, the back I, of the I, you know, anybody who's seen the movie Godfather, I remember that, right? So it's Hang just, on, <laughs> I have to add in, I, I live in a 140-year-old home, and we have one of those in the basement no, still. Yeah, really? you pull the cord, uh, yep. steel wire, and you pull it, and it flushes, gravity it's, feed. It's gravity, it's yeah. just gravity, that's how and it And the actual pipe was very large. It was two inch. Yeah, so we have one in the basement. We just flush in. I want to dive right into plumbing, all kinds of plumbing. And I want to ask you, Rick, ideal situation if you were plumbing your house, how would you tackle that? How would you do it with today's technology and today's uh, products that we have out there? How would you handle it? Definitely be working with copper. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Puts a smile on my face because yeah. I would be doing the same. Because I learned how to... To weld, you know, and that's why not use that talent. Once you've done enough solder joints, you can take them apart and, and see how well you're doing. That's always a great idea. Why don't you run us through, if you can, the proper way to do a joint? Well, the very first thing you're going to do is make sure your pipe's clean. It doesn't have anything in, stuck inside it that's going to show up later on when you turn the water on. And then take the outside of the pipe, clean it with some sand cloth, take a fitting brush, and that's a wire brush that's round. Clean your fitting very well, flux both surfaces, and then apply the heat. And don't overheat it. I like to keep the solder on the joint until it starts to flow. And then I know I'm in the zone. And then you can add and subtract heat as you need. Then you don't end up with these messes where the solder is dripped all over the floor. Honeycomb. And some of it's gone down inside the pipe and piled up and will eventually end up as little balls of solder in your screens and things like that. Wow, I never even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, it will. So you're gonna run copper, the city's brought it into the supply line, so you've got your, your meter, and then you're branching off in copper. Are you taking three-quarter copper and going to the showers? If in fact that's a three-quarter valve, yes. It's a half-inch valve, you don't need to. The problem with running too large of a pipe to a small shower valve. It takes longer to get room temperature water to go away. So you have to dump more water down the drain till you get the temperature you're looking for. Because you've bottlenecked the water from getting to the valve? Well, you just supplied a pipe that big to supply that demand. And so all that water goes to room temperature when you're not using it. And then when you want to use it, if you're using the pre-purge system on a DTV, it has to run longer until it hits that desired temperature. Pre-purge, I don't know this one. On the DTV or that's not on the prompt or is that just on the DTV? Just the DTV. 
And that just like you hit a button and it just it'll purge all the the room temp water in it. It'll purge every head that you picked. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, it's right on the embedded web page that you have to access through. I think it's something many didn't read. I didn't read that part <laughs> because I've, I've I've only done one DTV system and I was really happy with it. I've done a lot of prompt systems because I'm very happy with that. They're nice. Yeah, they're just simple. I think that they're simple. I and, mean the manifold. You, you can always have two remotes, so you can if you want to prime the pipes with hot water then you can stand outside the shower and hit the head you want and it'll come on and it'll run and the temperature it'll stop flashing when it hits the temperature you're looking for beautiful so you, i love technology I <laughs> no it's it's just the technology that's a, okay so now you're running if you've got a shower valve that's three-quarter and i still prefer the three-quarter valves I, I just like that in a shower i like that volume of water and then you're still running half inch to the toilet half inch to the sinks and and you'll be running half inch to each head Yes. From your three-quarter. The whole idea of a three-quarter valve is so that you can have as many heads as you want at two gallons a minute. But if you put too many heads in and you don't increase the drain, you won't get rid of the water before it starts to overflow and you'll have water around your ankles. What is the rule of thumb when you're doing that? Because I know that I spoke to an inspector one time, so it depends on the amount of volume of water that's actually coming out of the shower. It determines the size of the drain that you require, right? Regular shower drain should be two-inch. A two-inch shower drain. Yeah. And, and then when you get to four heads or six heads, put in a second two-inch drain. So have wow. two drains. I thought uh, some people were saying step it up to a three-inch, but when you get into residential, it's hard to fit a three-inch P-trap in a two-by-ten or two-by... Uh, most residentials won't have two-by-twelve joists. I would just go with two two-inch drains. Two-inch drains, right? Oh, that's yeah. good. I did a shower with four. Did you? <laughs> yeah, of course now, I did. But they weren't interconnected with each other. They were gang-trapped. Gang so, trap. So what's the terminology behind so that? Basically, you take three of them and you bring it into one. So it's similar to doing a commercial shower setup, a gym or something like that. Yeah. That not every shower has its own individual P-trap. Or in around a pool area. Or pool. So yeah. you wouldn't need to have three, three T-offs on the main stack. No, what you would do is you'd run those all into the one drain, into the one trap or whatever. Or and just then, put two. And then just keep venting those. Yeah. It, and if drains. you're going to have four twos, then I would have probably put those into a three. And yeah. Very it, interesting. It eventually yeah. gets to the three, and then you start running it off, and then you'll never have any backup, right? And now, I've seen large showers. People build these massive showers, but they never use them completely. Now, does that mean one of those drains may be dry? No, not necessarily, because the whole floor would slope to the drain. So if you're getting some water, it's going to go down. And you'll know if you've got a dry trap, it'll yeah. smell. When the wind's in the right direction outside, if it's blowing one way, sometimes it blows up through the empty trap. And then if it's going the other way, sometimes it just sucks the nice heated air out of your house and puts it right down the sewer pipe. So since we're into showers, let's talk about some of Kohler's valves. Well, you can't see this. But anyways... But that's the new right the, temp valve, right? This is the right temp valve. It comes with shutoffs. It comes with... Uh, Threaded, sweat, this is thread and sweat. Comes with PEX and Warsbro, I believe. These are your check stops. So you wanted to pull this out. You can actually turn the water off at these. You don't have to shut the whole bathroom down. So it has two valves on it without having to shut the water off to the bathroom. That's correct. It's brilliant. I know. Now, now if you want, because these can be taken out and cleaned. They also have check valves in them so that the flow can't go both ways for unbalanced pressure system. Because this is a pressure balance valve. This is a pressure balance valve. So there's, a, there's also a, a diaphragm in here that can keeps the hot and cold flowing back each way. You also have your check valves in here and strainers to catch the dirt because once the dirt gets into this valve, that's a problem. Kohler designed this valve 
because it's very modular, right? I mean, it's, you could basically use it. Any plumber could use it in almost any application. They designed it that way so then the plumbers can come in or the homeowners can come in and pick and choose mm -hmm. what they wanted to tackle or how they wanted to tackle it, right? Right. And with this valve, you can bolt them back to back and then you don't have to worry about getting the hot and the cold on the right side because if you get them reversed, you just reverse the cartridge. Oh my oh, wow. God. Really? Yeah. I love it. And inside of here is a flow restrictor, which would be going to the shower head so that if your toe tester has any restriction on it at all or if the volume's too much that keeps the water from going up and coming out the shower head until you hit the diverter so if you need to reverse this you simply put a screwdriver through pop that out and shove it in the other end wow instead of having to redo the whole thing that's right wow so this is made for convenience is this something typical of kohler kohler never goes backwards on anything they build they're always looking for a way better way. Parts to do the job of our old 304 valve are about 50% higher than just this cartridge. It was two parts. It didn't always have the shutoffs, and the shutoffs weren't always easy to get at because a lot of times the tile guy will close that hole down so much you can't get a screwdriver. That'll never shredder. happen. What are you talking about, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> tile guys don't do okay. that. I think they throw that plastic piece away and they just say, forget it. Yeah. I'm going to make my cut the way I want to make my cut. <laughs> yeah, I remember there was a couple shower heads I would take a flathead screwdriver and I'd close them down That's, and then until I finished my work. That's exactly what that is. But this is just easy hand tighten yeah. loosen well actually no that you use a screwdriver as well okay to, to turn it they use a silicone grease that or a lubricant that is pretty tacky and so you do need a tool to turn it i, I thought i could pop them out but i can't you bring up a good point about having them back to back if you're doing a double wall assembly right so a lot of homes are built yeah, I love where it. the wet walls are on both sides i'm going to ask you a question that i think i know the answer what would you prefer any wet walls in a bathroom would you prefer to be two by four or two by six? Yeah, two by six. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. If you take a three inch ABS fitting, it's already as thick as a two by four. And then you got a quarter of an inch of fitting on either side. So now you're either gonna have a bulge in that wall, and if it's a long wall, you're gonna notice it, or you're just gonna have, every time the hot water goes in, the pipe expands, because it's ABS, it expands a lot. You're gonna hear that creak, 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 and I didn't realize that. It yeah. does, right? ABS it does move. has a high expansion coefficient. So as soon as the shower hot water draws off from the shower and it gets into the 3-inch pipe, you start getting that expansion. If it's in a tight wall cavity, you are going to hear that creaking kind of you, sound? You're going to hear it. And, and I have probably 10% of my complaints are just that. I can hear this thing clicking or ticking or whatever. And it's got nothing to do with us. I mean, we, we supply the equipment. We don't install it. People do need to be careful that they're not setting up situations that are going to be a real problem down the road. So if we want to set up an ideal, because I agree with you, I, I definitely prefer two by six. I, I, in my opinion, I think it actually is smarter to just make the whole bathroom all two by six. Just frame it that way, because then you can also create niches in the shower. You can have better wet walls when it comes to it. You can have more freedom. Plumbers can actually drill the hole right smack in the middle instead of onto the side and then worry about that. How do you like drilling all your, your setup? How do you like getting all your your lines all ready to go for your fittings and everything like that. Do you leave a little bit of space on that or do you strap them down? Where it's important to be strapped, I strap it and strap it tight. And then where it's where you want it to be able to move without creating this noise, you put a little insulation in behind it or something that Silicone. takes that. 
what, well, whatever that can take away that gritty... The friction. Fi- yeah, yeah, the yeah. friction. And once you've got that done, uh, one of the other things that's important to know and to remember is if you're going to bring a three-inch line down through a two-by-six exterior wall or anything like an interior wall, when you flush that toilet, you're going to hear that water come down that yeah. pipe. And if you're in the kitchen Sound and perfect. that's what you're hearing, I recommend either use cast iron yeah. for the vertical section or pipe insulation. The green rock wool is pretty good at sound deadening, but you're still only going to end up with an inch on either side. If you're working two by six. But it is so true. The old cast is so much more quiet than the ABS. Almost all of the high-end homes I go in today are are using cast iron drops. Stacks. Yeah, stacks and drops. What are you guys doing for steam showers? Kohler has their own steam unit now. It's uh, amazing. One of the biggest issues that we can find with it is the water. If the water isn't softened, it can be very... uh, You get the calcium buildup, and pretty soon it it slows the flow of water down into the, what I would call, similar to a combustion chamber, where it's converted from steam or water to steam. This is very interesting. So anyone that has a steam bath should have a water softener. It's better if you do in any event. I have many out there that don't. And every so many years, you have to take the float off and bore that hole out so that the flow can go. Because if you've got an element that can vaporize a gallon of water in 10 seconds, uh, you need a good supply of water. Or pretty soon, that, will, that water level will drop in there. The element will come out of the water, which is hard on it. And so then they have to, uh, it'll shut itself down automatically and give you an error code. 90% of it is just cleaning that calcium out and getting it back up and running. That's a problem with a lot of fixtures. You know, you'll get a lot of clients asking, you know, why is my spout not, you know, we all know this. I guess the easiest way to explain it to clients are rain heads. Any shower rain heads, when they start to whistle and make those sounds, they start realizing that there's calcium buildup going on. Are we fair to say that Canada is notorious for a lot of calcium inside our waters? Well, down in Windsor area, the, the water's not so hard. It's not, eh? Not as hard as it is in Lake Ontario. Three spots that stick out in my mind are Toronto, Kingston, and Ottawa. Yeah, definitely Belleville area also. And Kitchener as well. Kitchener's yeah. really bad. Really? Yeah. It's nice if you have that. It, it adds a little bit, but then you've got to maintain it. If your budget is such that you want the steam, then you're, you're not going to put the softener in. But if, if you can do both, you should. But having a steam unit, because I know that there's a lot of health benefits attached to steam units. Mm -hmm. And I personally haven't tried one yet. I would love to try one one day to install it. But it's also, that brings up a good point about maintenance. I mean, these things are pretty tough, but they still need maintenance. There is a uh, timer on it so that every so many hundred hours that it will flush itself. Automatically? Automatically. Oh, wow. So is there a part (coughs) purging tank then? What it does is it opens up a valve and it shoots tons of water inside. It doesn't have to go through the float. It just goes right in and it just loosens everything up. The element stays on, but it's cold water. So hopefully the the calcium cracks and falls off the element. And then it all gets forced right out into the shower. Wow. I didn't know that. That's great. I guess it shrinks it with the cold and then it becomes brittle and rigid and shatters off. 
So let's talk a little more about the showers and uh, what are people asking for these days? I don't want to get crazy luxurious here just yet. I don't think I've met a single client that's asked for one shower head. I've always tried to sell clients at least a minimum of two. One be your primary, second one be a hand shower that you can use as a secondary hand sh- or a secondary head shower, but use it for cleaning the shower yeah. itself. Yeah. And that's the reason. So you'd always have a minimum of two. Is that what they're asking? Is that what the market's asking for these days? What I get to work on is a lot more than that. I'm even on a, a place on Queen Street right now. It's got, it's a brand new system, brand new build, and uh, they're all condos, and they've got these DTVs, and they've got four lines hooked up to them. So they've got a tow tester, two body sprays, and... Uh, and a, a rain head. Yeah. So can I ask you, what's the purpose of a tow tester these days? Is it just to wash your feet? Because no, at one time it was to test the water so see. that you could feel the temperature before you turn the shower on. That's still the purpose. It still is. Yes. You still want to fill the tub if you want to have a bath. Right. So you can use it for that. And, and, and the beauty of having it on a DTV system is you get to desire, pick the temperature you desire. You don't have to be there. Let's describe the DTV because th- I'm sure a lot of people don't. I've used it a lot. I think you've seen it, but you've never installed one, Carlito. No, I've never actually installed one. It, I, like, how would you describe it, Rick? It's, it's basically um, a manifold. Yes. It, it, we have a six-port manifold. We have a three-port manifold that, that gets uh, carried up a the while DTV with a prompt. prompt. And a two-port. And, so, and it's important to use the, for what you want. We had a three-port hooked up to two fittings. And it wasn't the right two fittings. So the plumber had to take it all apart and hook it up to one and two. And, and he had hooked to two and three. It wouldn't work. With the six port, you can pair up two six ports or a six and a three or a six and a two. You can move. I think I, when I was at Vegas recently, IBS, they told me you can run 21 gallons per minute off the DTV manifold. Off what? the six. That's just off, off the, the six. six and you're worried about toilets having <laughs> no longer four gallons? I know. It doesn't make any sense. No, it makes, what, a, what it makes a lot of sense. Are you sandblasting your it, body? It makes, it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, 21, I, I guess at that point, your a rain head is two and a half gallons, I guess. Depends. We're not in California. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know the restrictions in California. I think a rain head is just a cosmetic fix for people just kind of wetting themselves down i there. love my rain head i don't know what you're talking about man that's the primary head that i use it's very soothing to do, me do you have the real rain or, or no the air infused one the colder one right so okay. yeah oh. no it's yeah they're they're great it, so what's the difference soft. between the two then okay, one, one yeah. is consistent and one is dripping one that it can carburize the water it it pulls air in and kind of gives it more of a intense pulse and the other one's just a steady flow. That's the air-infused one, right? Air so infused. it's kind of... It, what it is, it's very soft. Like when you turn it on... Well, it's it supposed hits, to feel like rain, right? I know. That's what I mean. It's literally... It, it, it is like rain. I'm telling you. We've all been stuck in the rain. I ride motorcycles. I've been stuck in the rain, all right? It feel, yeah, even with the helmet on, you can still... It feels that way, right? So it, And that's what I like about it. <laughs> oh, man. You surprise me all the time. Now, one of my biggest problems with rain heads has always been not enough flow. I've always had to get my plumber to come back in and run a one inch line direct to my, basically to the shower head. The rest of the lines would stay half an inch or three quarter and the shower head, the rain shower head would always have to be one inch to have the flow that you need. They do go hand in hand. And if you're low on pressure and you want to increase your flow, you increase the pipe size. Right. That's the only way. That's or, the simplest or increase way. The pressure. You can get a booster pump on your 
water supply into your house, but that's, that's tricky because you have to put an inlet pressure reducer so that you don't exceed what your working pressure should be. Would that be at an older home? That wouldn't be in any newer homes. And older homes with copper don't, don't normally have a problem. But you could get into a situation where your subdivision's at the top of the hill and the water pressure is lower there than it is at the bottom of the hill. So you're saying if I live in the Penzels, I'm going to have uh, more inconvenience with my shower than being on the ground floor? Possibly, hmm. unless you're up in a new pressure zone. like a, Or on that seventh floor. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, it depends on how tall the building is. Uh, what the biggest problem for us is in a building where it has pressure zones is that they don't always get the hot and cold balanced so that they're within two or three pounds. And that gives you the best shower with this shower valve or any other shower valve we make is not to exceed 120. The valve is designed around 120 degrees, which is the Ontario building code. Sometimes when you get these into a high rise, they don't always adhere to that 120 degrees. Sometimes you get 140, 150. Holy and, cow, that's hot. Yeah, and sometimes that reduces our band on the hot to just little. So if you turn it a little, it makes a big difference. Where if it's 120, you can make a nice gradual turn to the hot or the cold. And let's face it, most homeowners don't have a, a gentle touch. They're always cranking everything open or closed. Or In a home, it doesn't really matter so much for this because of this uh, diaphragm inside this valve will keep the hot from scalding you if your spouse flushes the toilet while you're in the shower. But that would be on a balanced system. And why not. does that happen? Because all the water... You're reducing the flow of water to the cold side of the shower. And so the hot side still pressurized full. That's cold. how the person in the shower gets all the hot water and the person that's in the That's happened toilet, to me a lot. Well, they let all the cold <laughs> water out and that's where the a, balance is. A valve is. like this stops that. That pressure balance valve stops that too. Because yeah. I know that thermostatic valves do that. DTVs do that. But the, that one does it as well. Thermostatic valves are, are quite interesting in a situation where you're the only user or your family's the only user. So you set it and forget it. Right? And you also have to have recirculated water supply so that hot coming to the inside of that valve is as hot as it's going to get once you've run the shower for a few minutes. That's an issue. Can you explain a recirc line? The recirc uh, line would be uh, bringing uh, the highest connection or the farthest connection of hot water directly all the way back to the water heater. And then it goes into a pump that pumps it back into the cold side of the water heater and brings hot water back out through the hot pipe. And it's all like a boiler. A loop. It's just a loop, yeah. It's not, it's not a boiler, uh, but I recommend those for any kind of long distance. The rooms, uh, that I guess the masters, because they generally are parked the furthest away from the mechanical room, right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to keep the, keep the noise away, and generally speaking they run that water line, whatever size it is, three quarter, one inch to yeah. the mechanical room. They don't bring it up in the front and then pipe it. Hopefully they don't. They don't. No, you want a direct line. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing. And we've done that before where you do these direct lines to each of the wet rooms. So you choose your bathrooms or laundry room or kitchen or whatever. You get a direct line. You don't tee off anymore, right? That's back in the days of the... If you're using PEX, yes. Wurzboro, you can use tee fittings because it's larger inside. It's a, still an insert fitting, but it's way better. I like it. That's the only plastic pipe I like. So if the listeners right now want to find out what model that is, what would they be looking for? An 8304. 
That's an A304, right? It's called, a, I guess the, the marketing name is Right Temp. Right Temp. Yeah, Right Temp with R I T E. And the way they've designed this with the tapered and the tapered, you can't go wrong. You, you, can't, you cannot go wrong with this valve. It's amazing. Wish I would have invented <laughs> What's the most luxurious shower you've ever seen, Rick? You ever worked on? I've worked on one with 11 heads. 11 wow. heads? Yeah. A two person shower? Two person shower. We have the real rain head, which is really awesome. That can give you a deluge of water in the center, like a regular rain head would be, about eight inches. Or it's a two by two panel, which it actually drips like rain. Yeah, That's I've cool. seen that. It was yeah. at the show. They introduced a black one of that, right? Because it first launched as a white one. I don't even remember the name of that one, but uh, it's called Real Rain. Real Rain. Real, Real rain. and it's it's nice. It looks nice. I haven't tried it, but it looks nice. <laughs> it's amazing you didn't go in there and turn it on. <laughs> no, man, they wouldn't let me. Uh, okay, so so they had the rain heads. I guess they had hand showers, and then they had water tiles, or they had body sprays. Body sprays uh, and hand two hand showers the big deal was is that there was two zones the wife and husband loved to shower together most of the time but they wanted different temperature and so what we did was we put in two controllers and two valves out of those two with the dtv the husband had music lights uh, steam <laughs> i love this already and and all the shower heads and then the wife only just had her shower heads at her temperature she didn't want music well, she could get it but oh, okay but, but she had to go to his interface to to liven up the music to get the music but we designed it in such a way that she could turn on the rain heads and all of his tiles at a different temperature and wow. were they coming off the same DTV manifold or two different manifolds? Two different Two manifolds, different manifolds, right? Yeah. But one interface. No, two different inter interfaces. We ended up with four interfaces altogether. Four. Two inside the shower, two outside. So you could go to your outside shower, hit the uh, pre-purge, and then by the time you get in, the hot water's already there. And then you can control it again. Yes. Beautiful. I love it. Oh, my I God. love where showers are going. I love where the future is going. I, I, I think more and more people are not necessarily spending more time in the shower, they just want to make the time that they do spend in the shower as best as possible. Let's talk about water because I know that uh, we've always had clients ask us over and over, uh, will my tank be enough for all this stuff if I'm building a, a luxurious shower or should I go tankless or what are your thoughts on that versus tank and tankless? I'm going to give you a scenario on the tankless first. Perfect. Okay. I love um, this. This is uh, what me and Manny really enjoy i was on a uh, call out uh, for no hot water out of the faucet but the hot water was at the bathtub and the aerator was so plugged on the faucet it couldn't run enough gallons per minute to start the boiler so it could only give you cold water i had to take and replace the aerator and everything started working right so you have a minimum flow rate through your boiler and if you don't meet it or exceed it the boiler won't start one thing I always tell my customers when they ask for a tankless is I always tell them to put an extra backup water tank in. It doesn't have to be a full size, just a small backup so that you could do showers or wash your hands. Or I've seen that in a couple of houses where they had both systems. My recommendation is uh, at least a 100-gallon stainless steel tank for reservoir and a decent-sized boiler to heat that tank so that you can maintain whatever you want out of that tank. What I'm trying to say is a 100-gallon storage tank and a boiler with the capacity to keep it hot. Just get the best of both worlds. Yeah. That's what happens. And then you can look at also using that tank with an excess coil inside to use uh, in-floor heat. And then you don't have to have a boiler starting up every time that you do that. 
and count on the flow. You have a certain flow rate that you can work with on a direct-fired wall-hung boiler. I personally don't care for it. I've seen, like I think in some of the literature with Kohler's, uh, when, you're, when I do read the instructions, they actually do stipulate not tankless and prefer tank, especially if you're going to larger bathtubs. Yeah. Here's the reason why. You only can get so much water through that boiler. It's a 3 8 or a half inch tube inside with a burner under it. Only so much water can pass through that. So if you set your shower at 104 degrees Celsius, you're having a good time and wife goes to wash her hands, she's using half of the water that you're using, and so your temperature is going to drop. I've always liked boilers myself. A water tank, sorry. Water tanks and boilers. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, because there, there's not any energy-efficient water heater out there. So why pay big bucks to heat 100 gallons in a standard 100-gallon water heater or go to a 90% efficient boiler that can heat that water for a fraction of the price and faster? And faster, well, because it's consistent. You're bringing air in from outside for combustion, and then you're venting it back outside, so you're not losing any room temperature. But with a natural draft water heater, some of your heated air is going up that chimney with that water heater, so you're wasting money. Carlito and I, I know that we've, we've talked quite a bit on the podcast, and even before then, about uh, being a smarter contractor and getting into the whole passive uh, income uh, segment of the market and looking at rental units and things like that. And so I know that, you know, Kohler's got a range of luxurious products, but they've got a range of, you know, lower end products, but not, they're not certainly lower end products, right? And I know that I would always have a problem if I had a rental property, I'm not going to buy some really cheap valve, right? Like these right temp valves, they're not incredibly expensive, but then they also have other valves that work as well. And these are all things that we can consider for rental properties. Yes, this good quality brass is going to be around for hundreds of years. What and makes good quality brass? Keeping the imperfections out. Out of it. Less. Uh, no lead is good. It's a combination of brass and copper. You mean a lead solder? Lead being part of the okay. casting. They used to add lead to brass and copper to make that, and probably so it was easier to make. But today with the new technologies and stuff they've got, this is sweet. I mean, how, how do you beat that? We've got kitchen faucets that are not really expensive, but they're good quality. And they use the same cartridge as the more expensive faucets would. So the same technology. I would say that when you're putting in some Kohler stuff, you're going to keep it. It's well, going to be around for a and, long time. And something really important to, to kind of add to Manny and, you know, rentals. Many of my friends have rentals. If you have a rental, you don't want to go to your rental every week or every couple of days to fix something. The two biggest things in a house that are the big calls from the customer or the renter are the fixtures and the toilet. Toilet's always clogged. The faucet fixtures or the shower fixtures aren't working. So don't spend... 50 bucks or 100 bucks on something really cheap because it's going to cost you time and money to keep going back and repairing and fixing. When you buy something from Kohler, if there's something wrong, you just call and a lot of times they'll just send you the part out because yeah. you're part of the family, you're a customer. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. There's loyalty is big for Kohler family. It's the customer service. Like you could actually they'll start to talk to you. And you'll get right from the model number and then they'll start going into the specs and then they'll get into the diagrams and then they'll actually, I've seen this for the first time where they actually broke it down the engineering drawings. Mm -hmm. So each component and they'll ask you, okay, so what number component are we talking about here? And I'm like, I'm amazed that you can actually go through the whole chain. And when you call in, they start a file. 
Yeah. And if it's even a $80 faucet, you've got a file going on it. If there's a problem, I love it. it's a file on it's the product, not service. a file on you, Cardito. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're right. It is a, it's a file on the product. Well, they're I'm always, not cheap, so I always spend the money where I need to. But they're always looking for what went wrong. What can we do? To better their product. What, what are we going to do to stop that? That's right. So that we don't have a lot of cartridges going out and a lot of this going out. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, I, I, have you... I, I know that I've seen some posts recently on social media where Kohler and other brands were showing some vintage stuff. And I still find it funny that, you know, 70s, 80s is vintage now. <laughs> I, don't, oh, I don't know if you recall, but I was interested. When I was just getting started as a kid, Kohler had this thing called the Habitat. I thought to myself, how extreme, because you could sit in this thing. It was a horizontal thing. It was about this high, and it, it had a, a glass wall that you would pull down once you got inside, and then you could have a spring rain with the tropical breeze and music what? and lights. Yeah, it and was this called is from the Habitat. And this is from what, the 70s? 70s. Do really? they still make it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But it, I looked for one in the museum. I, I didn't see one, but... Uh, that was, I, I always thought as a kid, like, wow. You know, you just said something really important. Most companies, you know, they work on the adults. What we don't really realize that in our marketing, we're really getting the adults as children. So one of those things that you remembered as a child made a connection for you with Kohler at such an early age for you never to forget and now look at where you are. How lucky can you get? The fact that they were that far ahead and they were thinking that far ahead back in the 70s just blew me away. It lit me up. You talk about this habitat. I could totally see Kohler going down the way because we are building these showers now that are becoming these these rooms, so to speak, with mm-hmm. so much, you know, music, you know, lighting, all Steam. the heads, yep. heat, Herbless. floor, tiles, all kinds of stuff. I could see them building a habitat of today where you go in and it literally is a car wash where you have all kinds of different settings and different wall mounts. And It was like a lounge, chaise lounge. You always sit in it. You didn't stand in it. And then you pulled this big door down. Since we're in the washroom still, my favorite toilets. Can you put us through a couple different types of toilets and different systems of toilets? We have one-piece toilets, lots of two-piece toilets. Uh, We have them with a skirted front so you don't have to see all the drainage. We have toilets that have the pressure tanks inside. We also have the more modern uh, intelligent toilets, which are really, really catching on. The new me. Yeah, the Manny's new. favorite. The, the new <laughs> I don't, thousand dollars I don't later. Have, no, it's not that expensive, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one, but the new me's pretty impressive. They, they, I think they're listing at 13 now. $13,000 for a toilet. You know what, though? I've had customers, we've talked about this before in plumbing. You walk in a room, the toilet seat is set for you to either lift or lower. I mean, it's just brilliant. Lights come on, the fan yeah. comes on with it. Yeah. Uh, the water gets heated. The bidet seat gets heated, uh, bidet water gets heated, the air to dry after is heated. Uh, with the Numi, you can even heat your feet. What? Yeah, there's a, there's a high-intensity heater right in the very front, but if your feet are cold and you want that, it's hot, hot, hot air blown right on your feet. You're kidding me. And you can so, listen to music. So is that electrically? Like, is that like Yes, a- it's an electric heater, and it only heats... Right directly in front. Oh, my God. I love it. It's right at the floor. So, um, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of things to know about toilets, uh, elongated toilets, the height of toilets. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, but some people need a larger, higher toilet because 
some people touch water, some people don't. <laughs> I mean, wh what are the things to know about toilets so people can understand when and when not to use things? A higher profile, to profile toilet is good for older folks. Comfort height. You're, yeah, comfort yeah. height. Because Which is 16 inches? Uh, 16 or 18. 18, you know? okay, yeah, something like but that. The whole deal is, is the way your body's built. You don't want to lift up past 90 degrees. So if you're up a little higher, it's less effort to straighten your back up and stand up off the toilet. A toilet's not just a toilet. A toilet's really important. There's so many features to a toilet. Another thing about toilets I don't think people understand is there's different diameters of P-traps or water flow in them. So a lot of people buy a cheaper toilet and that diaphragm, that hole for the drain is smaller than other size uh, P-traps a lot of times that happens because the uh, engineering department was unable to get the flush with a larger diameter. And by reducing that diameter, they could get a complete flush. Really? That's one of the problems that can come with a low-end toilet. Our engineering is amazing. I learned a lot just by working on the toilets. But when we talk 1.6 liters per flush, that's a combination of water that leaves the tank and the bowl. They work together. It's not 1.6 liters that leaves the tank and goes into the bowl and displaces that water. The jet action starts first with the water that's coming out of the tank. And if your water level isn't high enough in the bowl, you won't get a complete flush. And they used to use flow restrictors because of their California rules on, on how much water. is very strict, yeah. yeah. So if those flow restrictors would not allow that bowl to come up to flood level during the refilling of the tank the next flush wouldn't work you'd only get the third flush to work what we did is open that up a bit let the bowl fill up and then you're wasting no water because you're not going to flush twice now does Kohler have a an actual not gravity but an assist toilet that's a pressurized tank that just basically it's a jet that shoots a stream out at around 60 psi takes everything with it just draws it along with it. What are your fixes with Kohler if, say, someone constantly has a toilet that's clogging? Then I would go out and make sure that, that how I do it to find out is I take a marker and I mark the water level before I start on the bowl. And then I hold the fill valve down and let the water come up in the bowl until it won't come any higher. And then you shut it off and let that water level drop. And then you take and mark your water level a lot of times they're off by an inch or two that means you don't have enough water in the bowl to complete the flush if you don't have enough water in the bowl what's that caused from probably the flow restrictor on the fill valve like i was just mentioning okay. we open that up allow more water into the bowl so that when the water that leaves the tank is ready to act on the water in the bowl there's enough of it to do it and basically if there's not if you're not close to the flood rim level of that trap with your first flush your second flush is going to be miserable. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> and, and what could happen is that you end up depositing solids after the toilet, but not enough water to carry it away. And then you could plug your main line. Kohler's getting into the world of, I know at the beginning we started talking about how HVAC worked with plumbing and plumbing works with HVAC and we all get it together. But I'm noticing Kohler's got a lot of new products that require GFI 
require low voltage and i could see more of that happening as well too like i mean all the dtv systems they require a dedicated gfi you've got the sensate faucet right which is like the motion activated one right. um, that requires a low voltage as and, well too and voice activated as well oh and voice that's right voice activated you could actually tell it give it to me the four liters or something the, the, like that. The, I love yeah it. you can i'm like the, stunned by that the new numis are voice activated as well i wanted to get through because we're kind of getting to the end here now i wanted to get through a lot of maintenance. I wanted to just go through a gambit of different products and just go through maintenance that maybe a lot of homeowners and contractors don't realize, like that calcium buildup. So in the kitchen, you've got a kitchen faucet. you got to always watch out for what? If the plumber flushed the lines before he put the faucet on, and then we don't introduce any new dirt because they're not working on your water main, there's not much else you need to do. It's pretty foolproof. Pretty foolproof. Uh, you might, if you were in the hard, hard water area, you could try submerging the aerator in a cup of vinegar. I'd love for, that trick. For a short period of time. I would say that's the only thing you need to worry about. And as far as the flow goes, if you don't have the flow, you won't get hot water in a demand hot water situation. Then we get into, I guess, single lever faucets. And they're pretty indestructible, right? Everything we're making is pretty indestructible. Our hot and cold cartridges for the widespread are great. Top of the line, I'd say. When we get into toilets, I guess with the canisters, because Kohler doesn't do any more flap toilets, right? It's all a canister. What's the, what's the canister? Canister is a 360 degree. It's just a, a round piece of plastic pipe that runs up and down over top of a centering pin. You're familiar with the, like Carlito, you're the familiar inside with the, part. The, the flaps, right? Yeah. The traditional flap way, okay. right? So they changed from the flaps a long time ago to the canisters, yeah. where it basically you hit the lever and the full canister opens up so you get full 360 pour right and the benefit is that the gasket is just a little ring and it's no wider than your finger and it's uh, costs a fraction of the flapper and, but they can over time i guess with use they 10. don't they don't tend to do what the old flappers did where the flapper could grow outside of its own just by sitting in the water yeah it would expand yeah. you're so right rubber and, does do that and yeah. and these are uh, i'm going to say silicone and they don't do that. They just drop down on a knife-sharp seat, and it's a good resilient rubber or silicone. What other maintenance things that we should be aware of? Water heaters should have the pressure relief valve changed every 5, 10 years. Every 5, 10 years? Yes. Okay. Uh, I believe that uh, boilers are 10 years and steam boilers are 5 years. Chances are your water heater is ready to be changed anyways yeah. after 10 years. Because yeah. a lot of times there's about that much garbage on the bottom of that tank. Wow. And that's just from the sediment from the water that's gone through there. Well, there's a sacrificial anode inside every tank. And that's so that your water impurities and everything attack it because it's magnesium. It's soft. And it stay away from the glass line tank. But the glass line tank expands and contracts and expands and contracts. And soon there's cracks in the glass. And now the water's attacking the boiler or the tank. And then you get all this on the bottom. So if it's a gas water heater, you hear all of this thumping and gurgling and pounding and stuff. That's water boiling between the garbage and oh. the steel of the tank. Interesting. So 10 years, 10 years you should be looking at new boilers, new, ho new hot water from tanks? A, from an energy efficiency point of view, a new water heater is going to be way more efficient than a 10-year-old water heater with three or four inches of gunk on the bottom. Energy efficient. What's up and coming and what's big in kitchen sinks for Kohler? Kohler has a lot of under-counter under stuff, uh, cast iron, top-notch. 
How about the faucets for the kitchens? Anything Vo- interesting or new? Activated, man. Vo- yeah, Vo- the voice Those activated spice. is 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 going to be the thing, and the sensate where you run your hand under it. So if you're working with chicken and you got whatever all over your hands, chicken, you <laughs> you're, you you run your hand under here, the water starts to come. You can wash your hands. You go like that. You don't ever touch the faucet, so it's not breeding bacteria all the time. At Manny's house, it's fish. You've never been to my house. <laughs> I can just imagine. Uh, that brings up a good point, Carlito. So, like, Rick, where do you see plumbing from now, like in the next five, ten years? Where do you see it going? Because, I mean, you've seen it quite a change from the 70s, 80s, 90s. and it, it, it scares me a little to think in, that I'm getting close to the end of my career. <laughs> but I'm pretty excited about all electronics, and, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to be talking to everything. It's where it's headed. I mean, when, when I was at the show there, so they, they had the two rooms that were AI. You can walk in and you can experience both rooms, either by touch or by voice. And that was operating the mirror, operating the sink, operating the tub, operating the shower. And I was thoroughly impressed by that. I could totally see that being the future. And when you can interact with the toilets now, uh, I also saw that Kohler's like got a whole wide range of towels, light fixtures, all these ex- accessories. Like it was just, yeah, I agree with you. The technology. So I, I think every plumber has to get very friendly with every electrician and they have to get friendly with every HVAC person. We all got to work together to make these rooms work. There was one other thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. As far as the steam generators go, a lot of the electricians, and I don't know how they get it past the electrical inspector, but... My electrician told me it's no different than the condenser on your air conditioning unit. You got 40 amp breaker or a 60 or 80 amp breaker, you should have a disconnect right there. That's right. So that no one can turn that on while you're working on it. Because 80 amps will blow your hand off. You are brilliant. We forgot to mention that that those those steam generators actually consume a lot of power. They do. Yeah, Yeah. and and Uh, it's true. The element is about that long and it's a coil with one return. It's that big around, and it so can, if people ha- people can't <laughs> see this on on the, uh, it's basically about twelve inches by about four inches round. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, or three three and a half. And inches. that heats really quickly. Very quickly, and it can vaporize a gallon in seconds. Wow. <laughs> and they also maintain one hundred and seventy five inside the steam generator all the time, so that when you hit steam, it's only a matter of five ten seconds. And you're already making steam. So I, I guess they haven't passed this yet, but I'm sure the ESA will pass it soon where they have to have a disconnect right then and there. I'm surprised at how many I've seen. Uh, I've only come across two that were done intentionally. And every one I work on, I get my electrician to come in and do it. Big question for me right now. I want to take a look at some of the toilets because you got me interested now. Like I'm really interested in the product. I want to check out some of the new stuff, especially the uh, toilet, and if you correct me on the name, that blows the heat out onto your feet. New me. me. The new me. That is something absolutely amazing. What is your web page? You can just go on your uh, status bar, whatever it's called on the computer, just type in new me, and it'll come right up. Yeah. Okay, and that will show the rest of the products. Well, you no, guys you go carry. to Kohler.com. I okay. mean, Kohler.com, yeah. if you're in Canada, it actually gets right redirected to Kohler.ca. Yeah. But yeah, Kohler.com, and then uh, the social media handles are all Kohler. It's all K-O-H-L-E-R. There's lots of information online. And then also the customer service. Like every warranty or every instruction manual that comes with every single product has that customer service number on it. And you can contact, and you get a real person. Yeah, you call it 1-800-4-Kohler. Do you know that they're real people? 
They sound like they're real people. <laughs> I'm for sure. I've, I've seen pictures. I think we've covered a lot here. I mean, we, we kind of just went through a whole gambit of stuff. But uh, thank you very much, Rick, to oh, uh, to join us and, and give us some, uh, a lot of enlightenment into the plumbing world here. And uh, and we uh, hopefully people are listening regarding a lot of these uh, the, this well, insight. I'm going for the newbie right after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, so thank you, Rick. Thank oh, you so thank much. You. And we really appreciate it. And I think, Carlito, you got to what? I got one thing. I just want to say thank you to Skylux and Mark for, for always sure. having us at home base. Skylux Studios. Yeah. That's what and, it is. And uh, a caller. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Great company. It. Great products. Never had an issue with them. And I'll uh, continue enjoying installing them, right? So. And if you have an issue, call. Call. It's beautiful. You going to get us out of here? <laughs> he does this little thing, Rick. That's all it is. Thank you, Rick, so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, wonderful talk about Kohler and all the products and some great insight onto uh, plumbing products, plumbing, the industry. Uh, thank you, Rick. Carlito, we out of here. The 416, baby. T.O. Ow! <laughs>